Uh, well, friends, uh, every Christmas, millions of little girls want to play the role of Mary in Christmas plays all around the country. Uh, I remember a few years ago there was a Christmas play at my daughter's preschool. Uh, all the little girls wanted to play the coveted role of Mary. Uh, the competition among the little girls and their parents was intense and fierce. Uh, I imagine the, the parents were extra nice to the teachers that particular week. Uh, but in the end, only one little girl got the prize role and everyone else ended with tears. If you were lucky, uh, you got to play an angel like my daughter because you missed out on the prize role. Uh, if you were not so lucky, you ended up being a prop, uh, perhaps an animal or a tree. Uh, but friends, isn't it strange that parents would want their daughters to play the role of Mary? Uh, I mean, as we saw in our Bibles this morning, uh, we are really wanting our daughters to play the role of a teenage mother who got herself pregnant under very suspicious circumstances and whose life nearly fell apart as a result. I mean, is... If you are a parent of a little daughter here, is that the sort of uh, dream that you have for your child? But uh, if you have a look at your Bibles with me, uh, you can see the nature of the scandal in verse 18 of our passage. Uh, if you have one of our pew Bibles, uh, you'll see it on uh, page 807. But uh, have a look there with me at the nature of the scandal that uh, Joseph and Mary are, are faced with. Verse 18. Uh, now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Uh, you've got to feel sorry for Joseph in particular in this story, don't you? Uh, I mean, this is a pretty big scandal, I think. Uh, I think it sounds like uh, something that you'd hear on uh, Dr. Phil uh, on uh, daytime television. You know Dr. Phil? He's the guy on daytime television uh, that uh, counsels people uh, going through huge scandals. Uh, now, just in my defence, uh, I don't watch a lot of daytime television. Uh, I know uh, there are some of us who think ministers don't do very much during the week, but uh, I don't uh, watch a lot of daytime television. But you can easily imagine something like this on that show, can't you? Uh, I mean, imagine Mary sitting on the couch. The little ticker scrolls across the screen with the words, engaged teenager claims to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Um, the audience goes boo. The heartbroken Joseph sits next to Mary with his head buried in his hands. Uh, Dr. Phil asks Joseph whether he wants to do a paternity test, but uh, Joseph isn't stupid. Uh, he knows how babies are made. Uh, he knows that he hasn't slept with uh, his fiancée. And so he thinks what everyone else in the audience is thinking. Mary has been unfaithful. Uh, now, I wonder whether you can feel the tension... <laughs> Uh, with Joseph. Uh, you can see there in verse 19 
that he is described as a just or righteous man, uh, which means that he was a man who, who loved God's law. Uh, so he can't just you know, bear false testimony and uh, live the lie claiming that this baby is his child. But we're also told that he's a compassionate man and he doesn't want to expose his, his uh, uh, beloved Mary to public scandal. And so he does uh, the only option that is available to him under those circumstances, which is to divorce her quietly. Uh, you might be surprised to see the word divorce there, given that uh, we've been told that Joseph and Mary uh, are engaged or betrothed in verse 18. But uh, engagement in those days was a much more serious commitment than uh, modern-day engagements. Uh, it was a lot more like marriage than uh, a modern-day engagement. And so the only way to break it, break, break it off was by formally divorcing the other party. But uh, you've got to feel sorry for Joseph here, don't you? Uh, we have some uh, engaged men here uh, this morning. I mean, how would you feel if your fiancé dropped this kind of bombshell on you, I wonder? Betrayed? Angry, perhaps? Fearful as your whole world comes apart? Looking for reasons about why this has happened, perhaps? But friends, here's the shock. I think the really shocking thing here is that this scandal was really all God's doing, wasn't it? Uh, you can see there in verse 20 uh, that this was all God's doing as an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and explains what is going on. Uh, have a look with me at verse 20. Verse 20, uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not, take, uh, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the angel says that the baby is from the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not saying that uh, you know, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was somehow created by the Holy Spirit. Uh, what it does mean is that the Holy Spirit was wonderfully and mysteriously and creatively at work in Mary's womb, bringing God the Son, who had existed for all eternity, into the world in the form of human flesh. You see, friends, this scandal was God's doing. And God wants Joseph to take Mary as his wife and to legally adopt Jesus for himself, which he later does by naming him, so that the baby will be in the line of David, uh, in the line of the Messiah. Uh, but friends, uh, I want to ask us this morning, what is the God that you know like? What is the God that you know like? Uh, I think it's quite common to think of God as, a, as an old man in the sky who's a little bit powerless to do anything about Anything, really. Now, others think of God as someone distant who has more important things to do than to get involved in my little life. Now, others think about God as a genie in a box 
someone we don't really want interfering in our lives until we come into trouble and then we ask for help. But friends, here's the God of the Bible. Uh, He is a God who is powerful. He is a God who has plans for this world. He is a God who gets involved in people's lives. Indeed, he's a God who turns lives upside down. As a divorcee, Mary would have faced a life of loneliness and uh, perhaps even even death because of the shame of divorce. Joseph's life would never be the same again. And it was all God's doing. But that's the God of the Bible. He is not afraid to turn lives upside down in order to achieve his plans and his purposes for the world and for his people. I wonder whether that's the kind of God that you and I know in our lives. And so God is behind the scandal of this baby uh, who is from the Holy Spirit. But the angel goes on to explain what God has sent this baby into the world to do. And uh, you'll notice that uh, the, the mission of this baby, what he has come to do, is really wrapped up in, in the name that God has given to him. Uh, now, we have many parents of uh, young children uh, at Church at Nine, and uh, you've probably agonised uh, over uh, the naming of your children. Uh, I think as parents, uh, we generally want to choose a name that you know, isn't too strange uh, so that uh, our children won't be bullied later on in life. Is that true? Uh, but as far as the meaning of the name goes, uh, it doesn't really have much bearing on who we really are, does it? Uh, I mean, does, does anyone know the meaning of, of their names? Just put up your hand if you know the meaning of your name. Uh, there are a few. There are a few. Uh, I was going to ask people, but there's too, too many hands up. Um, I uh, looked up the meaning uh, of the, the name of Matthew, uh, who is our service leader. Uh, do, you, do you know what, what your name means, Matthew? Yes. <laughs> what, what does it mean? Yeah, God's gift. God's gift is uh, his name. Now, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know who agrees with that. Um, uh, uh, and Anna, Anna probably agrees with that. Uh, most days. Uh, but uh, Matthew's name means uh, 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 gift of God. Um, I, I also looked up Calvin, uh, which is a popular name among Christians because uh, many people have John Calvin uh, uh, as, as their hero. Uh, John Calvin was a famous Christian who lived in the past. But uh, the name actually means... Does anyone know what Calvin means? Uh, we, we have at least one Calvin in our, in our church, but it means someone with a bald head. Um, and, and so uh, I don't know whether that's what you want your children to grow into. Uh, my name actually means intelligent, apparently. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I think there are only uh, two people who really believe that to be true, is myself and uh, my mother. But, uh, you see, names don't really have much bearing on the reality of the person, does it? But names in the Bible 
have great significance. And uh, you can see there in verse 21 that God, through the angel, commands Joseph to give the baby the name Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means God saves, God rescues. Uh, It's a bit like a mission statement, if you like. What will God do through this baby? Well, he will save his people. And the obvious question to ask is, what will he save his people from? And you can see the answer there in verse 21, where the angel explains that he will save his people from their sins. What is sin? Uh, Well, sin is rejecting God and his word. It is ignoring what God says, uh, arrogantly thinking that, I don't need to know what God says. Uh, I know better than him about how to run my life and make my decisions and determine what my life is going to be about. I wonder whether you recognize that in you. And what God says in the Bible is that your sin places us in great danger. Such great danger that we need saving. You know, there are lots of problems in this world. And uh, I'm sure that for many of us, uh, 2016 has been a year with many problems. I know that to be true. But God says that at the root of all that is wrong, not only in our lives but in the whole world, is that human beings have rejected him and have turned away from him. Uh, I think it's fair to say that sometimes we don't even realise that we are in danger. Uh, We are so used to trivialising and minimising our sin and rejection of God, simply getting on with life as if God wasn't there, that we don't think twice about it. But I want to suggest to you that the way you understand how great a danger that you and I uh, are in or have been in is by looking at the scale of God's rescue mission. We begin to understand the danger not only by looking at ourselves, but by looking at the lengths that God has gone to to rescue his people. Let me illustrate. How do we recognise or how do we measure the size of a fire? Well, we measure it by the number of firefighters and fire engines that are sent to, to fight against it. How do we measure the seriousness of a medical condition? Well, we measure it by watching the doctors and seeing uh, what lengths they go to to save this problem from their sickness, the kind of risks they might take. How do we measure the danger of sin? Well, we measure it by the magnitude of what God has done in sending his only son into this world to save his people from their sins. Friends, Jesus' mission was and still is to save people from sin. And I think Matthew introduces us to the meaning of his name here because as we read through the Gospel of Matthew, and I hope that many of us can keep on coming back and reading the Gospel of Matthew with us, Matthew introduces us to this name so that as we keep on reading, And as we hear the name of Jesus again and again through his life, 
we can remember his mission. The boy Jesus, obedient to his father in his workshop. God saves. Jesus' powerful teaching about life in the kingdom of heaven. God saves. Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead. God saves. Jesus at the cross, nails driven through his hands and his feet. A sign above his head that reads, This is Jesus. God saves. But finally, friends, I want you to see exactly what Jesus saves his people from. Uh, When the angel says that he will save his people from their sins, uh, I think it's easy to conclude that he will save us from committing further sins. But uh, I don't think that's what the angel is talking about here. But rather, we are saved not from committing further sins in this life, but we are saved from the consequences of our sin. And uh, you can see this, I think, in the second name that is given to Jesus in our passage this morning. Uh, The second name that is given to Jesus is Emmanuel, which Matthew explains means God with us. And you can see it there in verse 22, can't you? Now have a look with me at verse 22. Uh, Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, You might remember that in the Bible, God had promised Israel, who were his chosen people, that he would be with them and bless them. And so around 2,000 years, 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus, God had promised Abraham that he would be with him and that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. Fast forward a thousand years to the king, time of King David and God promises David that he would be with him and that his people would experience great blessing by being ruled by the Davidic dynasty forever. But if you know the history of Israel, you will know that after the the dizzying heights of David and then his son Solomon, the nation of Israel went into freefall. The kings of Israel, by and large, rejected God and his word. The people of Israel, by and large, rejected God and his word. Again and again, God pleaded with his people through the prophets, to turn back to him before it's too late. But the sin of Israel became so great that in his, in his anger, God judged Israel through the conquering Babylonians who took the nation captive. And not only did Israel suffer unimaginable uh, atrocities and suffer in unimaginable ways, but they found out just how miserable life can be when God is not with you. And yet, hundreds of years later, in the birth of Jesus, Matthew sees in Jesus the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which was quoted in the Bible. 
Uh, this part of the Bible was written during a time of crisis in the history of Israel. And Isaiah says that their only hope is going to come through the birth of a son by a virgin. Now, uh, this prophecy is partially fulfilled during the time of Isaiah, but it is in the birth of Jesus that this prophecy finds ultimate fulfillment. In the birth of Jesus, God says to his people once again, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will forgive you. I will give you life. And friends, that's the, the great news of Christmas, isn't it? In Jesus, God himself has come to save us from our sins. You see, the message of Christianity is not good advice about how we can be better people so that someday we can hope to find our way to God. No, the message of Christianity is good news that even in our sin and in our brokenness, the God who created this world has come down to us and has entered into our world so that he might rescue us and so that he might be with us in saving us and forgiving us of our sins. And so, friends, I want to ask us this morning, are you one of the people that this Jesus has come to save? Are you one of the people whom this Jesus has come to save? Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. And are you one of those people? Uh, In our passage this morning, uh, God's people are the people of Israel in the first instance. But as uh, towards the end of Matthew's gospel, you find actually that the invitation is there for people from all nations to come to Jesus who has died for sins and who has risen again to be the king of this world, to come to this Jesus and to submit your lives over to him and to receive from him forgiveness of sins and blessing in your life. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus in this way, then let me invite you to do that today. Ask God to forgive your sins. Ask God to help him to live with Jesus as your king and as your ruler. Wouldn't it be great if uh, the 25th of December, 2016, is the day that you receive that most precious and greatest gift that God has given to us? But friends, uh, if you are someone who knows this forgiveness... I want to ask, ask you whether Christmas for you and for me is about the mission of God. Uh, what God is saying here is that Christmas is about Jesus' mission to save his people from their sins. Now, I'm sure that over Christmas and the New Year's, uh, the New Year's period, we will come in contact with many people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be very easy to celebrate this Christmas just like everyone else. 
even though we live in a world that is in such great danger before God? Will Christmas for you and me be about the mission of Jesus? Uh, One of the great stories in 2016, I think, was the story of the Australian high school students who recreated uh, a life-giving drug. Uh, Did anyone uh, hear that story uh, in the papers? Uh, A group of Sydney grammar science nerds recreated a wonder drug called Daraprim that treats life-threatening illnesses such as HIV and malaria. Uh, The villain in this story, of course, was the CEO of an American pharmaceutical company who acquired the the exclusive rights to the drug and then hiked up the price so that it would make it very difficult for anyone to afford it. But these students found a way of recreating the drug and hopefully will be able to make it more widely available. You see, friends, there is something profoundly wrong about withholding life-giving medicine, isn't there? And yet there is something wonderfully right about offering that to others. Uh, What will stop you and me this Christmas from praying for and offering this life-giving news to the people around us? Will it be that it makes us feel a little bit awkward? Uh, Will it be because of an unwillingness to have our lives really changed by this God. I pray that this Christmas, that our mission will be to make known this mission of God who has come into this world to save people from their sins. Let's pray. Uh, Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. We thank you especially for your son who was born on the first Christmas day. And Father, we live in a broken world that is under the shadow of death because of our sin. But we thank you that your son has come to save us from our sins. His name is Jesus. And we thank you that he did it by dying on the cross for us and rising to life again as our king who has promised to be with us forever. He is Emmanuel. And Father, we confess that we are not worthy of this salvation, that we have sinned and we have rejected and ignored your word in many ways. But this morning, Father, we ask for your forgiveness, trusting in your son, who not only was born, but who died on the cross for us and rose again to be our King. Help us this Christmas season to live with Jesus as the King of our lives and to be mindful of his mission to save a broken world. We pray that you would help us to rejoice in this mission and that you would give us opportunities to speak about the hope that we have because of him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.